Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 22nd, 2023. It is currently 3.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, did you hear it? Did you hear the sermon from Sunday? Did you? Did you hear the sermon from uh, uh, from Victory Baptist Church that I preached on Sunday on Jeremiah chapter 22? Did you hear the sermon? If you did, you're probably thinking, that was not very good. What was wrong with that? Did you hear the Sunday school lesson that was taught at Victory Baptist Church on Sunday that was also in Jeremiah chapter 22? If you, unless you were listening live, you didn't hear it because it was immediately deleted because, wow, nothing went very well on Sunday. Now, I can make a hundred excuses, but if anyone knows there was a, a major medical emergency here in my home Thursday night, I left the emergency room around 4.35 a.m. Friday and then basically from basically from Thursday till Sunday, basically there was no sleep. There was basically no sleep from Thursday night till Sunday when I stood behind the pulpit. I definitely was probably not in the physical or mental condition to try to be teaching God's word. I had to cancel Sunday night because there was just no way. I barely made it through Sunday school. I thought I did. I thought I had kind of regained a little bit of strength, got kind of a second wind for, for church, but then... Jeremiah 22 was already presenting so many problems. And because of everything that happened, sermon prep wasn't what it needed to be. Just the whole thing was a disaster. And to make it worse, it's August the 22nd. You know what that means? We can see the finish line, right? We're supposed to be done with the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations before we reach the end of August. So I can see the finish line in my mind, and when we cross that finish line, we're going to, there's going to be something that says failure because I don't think we're going to make it, but we're going to do the best that we can. All right. So we're going to be putting forth a little bit of extra effort. We're going to try to move forward. And I know what I'm about to say. You're going to just start laughing and you're going to be like, he never gets it. He never learns. What is his problem? Why doesn't he ever figure this out? There is a simple way to move forward. You just skip some chapters. You just, you, you can do this, but I, I refuse sometimes to do what everyone tells me to do or do what I should do. What we're about to do is we're actually going to go backwards. I know it makes no sense, right? We're, we're, I see the finish line. We're going to turn around and go the other direction. We're going to go back so that we can move forward, but I'm only doing this. Because I want, I mean, this entire Bible study on the book of Jeremiah, this entire Bible study exercise podcast series, I, you know, is not being done for my benefit. It's being done for yours. So I have to constantly think, okay, we got to this section. Did we do a good job? So let me ask you, did we do a good job on Jeremiah chapter 20? I don't know. Did we do a good job on Jeremiah chapter 21? I thought we did a very good job on Jeremiah ch chapter 21. I thought that there was a, a section there that I, I thought should have got, gar garnered a lot of attention in chapter 21. 
Um, I thought that everyone would be like, wow, that was really good. I, I really thought, but it, it didn't seem to... Um, yeah, Jeremiah chapter 21, starting in verse 9. He that abideth in this city shall die by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth out and falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you, he shall live and his life shall be unto him for a prey. I thought that that was like this absolutely beautiful, powerful picture of, of salvation. I thought it was going to generate far more something and it really didn't. I don't think people were too impressed with it or really seemed to care. So um, I, I, that mean, that seems to tell me something went wrong. Like, like by the time we got to Jeremiah 20, 21, 22 and following, you could argue from just a human perspective that, you know, you lost, you lost the audience. You, you kind of lost it a little bit. Now, I just recently published the sermon from Sunday, Jeremiah chapter 22. It's published, it's uploaded. Um, now, it was already uploaded to most podcasting sites, but it had not been o- uploaded to Sermons 2.0 or the Church One app. It is now there for you to listen. Just try to place it in its context to what was happening. A massive medical emergency on Thursday, basically no sleep till Sunday, very little sermon prep. And then I had to try to stand there and 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 try to uh, hopefully accomplish something. But I'm still posting it because it, it does represent, well, the journey. I mean, every Bible study is a journey, right? Every Bible study. And and it, within that Bible study, there are ups and downs and twists and turns, not only in your own study, but things that are going on in your own life, which can then impact your study. So for its own, just for the sake of historical record, I wanted to be there. I probably should have left Sunday school as well. I probably should have, but I, you know, I made a rash decision. Um, I probably should have left it there just because it... It represents what actually happened. And now what actually happened is not really there. So in some ways, that's kind of that's kind of disappointing. Uh, but you know what? I made the decision in the moment. It was it was, you know, probably wasn't in the <laughs> right emotional state to be making those decisions. But at least you have part of the historical record there. But I, I still feel that we started losing something somewhere. And I know, look, when you tell everyone, hey, we're going to spend the summer studying Jeremiah. I always know how it works at the beginning. People are like, yeah, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to participate. I can't wait. And then, you know, 30 days later, <laughs> everyone's disappeared. Everyone's, everyone's like, I don't care about Jeremiah. It's hard to keep people engaged. And it's much harder in 2023 when people have a million options a million options around them. And it's hard to say, no, 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 no. Stop looking over there. No, no, don't chase that butterfly. No, 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 no. Put that down. Hey, pay attention. No, put your phone down. It's hard to get people to pay attention. So, you know, you're you're working as hard as you can on Jeremiah. And all of a sudden you look around, you're like, where did everyone go? You're like, where? Everyone left the room. So, um, and when I say everyone, I'm not, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of hyperbole there. Obviously there's still plenty of people who are participating and are doing the work and doing the assignments, but you can just tell, you can feel the, you can feel the, the shift. You can feel that there has been a change. So my job is, okay, I don't know exactly maybe where we left people, but I want to go back and we're going to work on Jeremiah chapter 20 to 29. Jeremiah chapter 20 to 29, that's going to be our focus, 20 to 29, between now and 
and Sunday. We're just going to do we're going to do work and 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 that section. If I uh, if I'm looking at, I don't have the uh, the study guide right in front of me. Before we're done, I'll look at it. Uh, I know on Sunday I really want to work on Jeremiah chapter twenty three, um, at least for Sunday school, and then I don't know what we'll do Sunday morning. I got wi- maybe maybe tomorrow night we'll work on Jeremiah twenty three. So I, I wanted to work on that for uh, Sunday, but if Wednesday night works out, then maybe we focus on Jeremiah 23 on Wednesday, and then maybe Sunday we work, we work on 24 through 29, and we'll just look and see how far we can get. Then the following Wednesday... I, I don't know. We're just we're just we're just going to push through. We're just going to push through. I don't have it completely mapped out, but we'll be doing maybe a lot of a lot, what's going to have to happen is we may be covering things here on the podcast and not just at church and hopefully it will all come together and all I care about is not just getting across the finish line. I don't care so much about getting across the finish line. I care about bringing this study to some kind of conclusion that everyone says, "Hey, I know the book of Jeremiah better than I did when I started." And and if I if I can accomplish that, great. Now, I wanted it to be spiritually beneficial for your own life. I wanted people to be looking at their own lives. I wanted people to be challenged, convicted. I wanted it to lead to spiritual growth. I really 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 wanted to accomplish that, but you know, I, it's so hard to get people to just really focus in I mean, I, I like you. There, look in every generation. There's always distractions, and every generation. All right, I, so let's not pretend back in the olden days there wasn't so many. There's always been distraction, right? But I do feel that there are a lot of distractions today, and I know it, it seems harder and harder to keep people's attention, and that's why many churches, you know, the tried and true. You do four to six week series, four to six weeks. You hype it up. You you do what you can in four to six weeks. And, and before that six weeks or four weeks in, you start hyping the next series and you just go to these quick series. And, and people will say, I don't like that. Well, you may not like that, but look what happens when you do a long one. You, you wander off somewhere and you don't even, you're, you lose complete focus. So as much as people don't, maybe criticize those short series. The long series is harder and harder to keep people engaged. I know, I know those churches and, and, and look, when I was a younger preacher, I, and I still in some ways believe in it. I do believe in that idea. No, you start a book, you go verse by verse. And if it takes you five years, that takes you five years. I do understand that. Right. And I love that concept. But the reality is when you get to the end of the five years, Nobody in the church really remembers much from the book anyway. I'm look, you can tell yourself they do. You can try to, they don't. They don't remember what the, they may not even be able to tell you the overview of the book, the author, the date, the play. They may not even remember the basic facts about the book. You can go back, you can wait six months and go back. I mean, I do it all the time. I'll be, I'll mention something from a book that we spent four or five years in and people in my church will be like, what? And I'm like, we spent five years in the book. You don't remember. And then you're like, what was what was the point of those five years? Filling up each Sunday with a sermon. Like you, when you start really breaking it down to the reality, like the, the in theory, the situation is, you know, 
verse by verse exposition, expound the scriptures. But the reality is so many of the people don't even remember half of what they learned. And a lot of them, if they're even in a church going five years through a book, if they miss church, most of them aren't going to go back and listen to it online. It's kind of a very depressing reality. So all I can do is we've, we've tried to condense the book of Jeremiah into a three-month study. And as much as people say, well, you should just go as long as you want. I, I've already lost people within three, mo- <laughs> three months. Okay, so, so if you expand it, you're just going to lose more. So we're going to do our very best. I, I, I know that raises multiple questions about what's the best way to do Bible study? What's the best way to preach through a book? What's the best way to keep people engaged? In preaching, everyone has their theories. Everyone has theories and ideas. Many of the theories are um, okay. Yeah, and some people say their views will probably change over the years too. Yeah, I think everyone's views change a little bit. I, I just think that I think that it's been a problem that pastors I know have been trying to address forever, and I don't think anyone has a good solution, right? I think the people in the pew, in many cases, are. Are well mean they 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 mean well they they their their motivation is right um and and I and true and of our studies our views of our studies change as well too um, what we thought and what we learned but yeah there's always changes that take place but I think people have been trying to figure out the solution forever and I don't know if anyone will ever quite figure out the magical formula this is the way to keep the people engaged this is you can say well you need to buy them study guides. Well, you can, the church can spend all kinds of money and put study guides in the, to their hands. Two months in, nobody knows where their study guide is. They haven't looked at it. They haven't read it. They don't know. And you'll be like, ah, uh, you know, that study guide you got, that was on page seven. Oh, you don't remember that. Okay. Where's your study guide? I don't. Okay. All right. You're like, so that, so necessarily putting, getting them a book. Okay. That, that doesn't know. Giving them homework. They just won't do it. Telling them, hey, you can go listen to 50 sermons on Jeremiah chapter 18 on the Sermons 2.0 app. And will they, will they do it? You, you don't, it's just, you can put, you can do so much and there's, and at some point you just have to kind of realize that no matter what you do, there's a limit to how, there's a limit to what you can. In other words, there, you can do everything, but there's a limit to how, how much that will actually impact or help, but you should always be open to it. So I, I just feel that maybe somewhere around this area, we kind of started losing so what we're going to do is going to go back to Jeremiah 20. We're going to go through 20, 21, 22. And this whole week, we're going to try to focus on 20 to 29. We're going to be utilizing uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee through the Bible. I'm grateful to that ministry for giving me the rights to use their content. I could just play their message. I don't even have to offer comment. They've given me the uh, freedom to do that. I'm not going to do that. We're going to do it in our typical kind of sermon review. This is going to help review, remind uh, kind of reinforce so that we can move forward. So we're going to kind of go back so that we can move forward and keep everyone with us and hopefully it will be beneficial. So we're going to go to Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Um, we're, I don't know how far we're going to get in this episode. I would love to get 20 and 21 out of the way. I would love to get 20 and 21 out of the way. They're ch- short chapters, but I don't know what's going to happen, but we will see. But hopefully you'll be with me. Look, wherever you have been in the study, if you haven't done anything, if you fall apart, please at least do this. It's August the 22nd. Before August is over, can you just try to commit yourself to sitting down and reading the entire book of Jeremiah? 
And if you can't commit to that, can you use any of the Bible apps and at least open a Bible, hit play, and listen to them read it as you follow along? And if you can't do that while you're driving, can you commit to taking the Bible app and playing them read it as you drive? Can you, can you just commit yourself to at least hearing the entire book? Can, can you at least try that? If you can do that, that would be great. And then at least we can say we, we did as much. Look, whether we, whatever standard we're using to measure success in a study like this, we can just throw out those measurements. And if we can just get everyone to at least have engaged the book of Jeremiah in the summer of 2023, we've accomplished something. All right. So are you ready? Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Jeremiah chapter 20. Open your Bibles. Notebooks ready. Some of this will be, well, he'll approach it probably differently than the way we approached it. And that will be beneficial to you. You get multiple perspectives. So here we go. Uh, All right. Okay, good. All right. Someone said that they can do that. Yeah, and it is busy. And I do know people's lives get busy and you have so much going on. And and look, I do. I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that. So if everyone can at least do that, then at least they can say summer 2023. I listened to the book of Jeremiah or I read the book of Jeremiah and I listened to hopefully they listen to all of the episodes of the Bible study exercise. Hopefully. So are you ready? Here we go. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, I know that's 17 minutes kind of, but I, I, I want to get us all back on the same page. And so I'm, I'm not going to feel bad for that lengthy intro. Here we go. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Jeremiah chapter 20. I have no idea what year uh, this is from, but uh, let's listen and we will see how far we can go. We're going to, we're going to try, we're going to at least finish chapter 20 in this session. And then uh, we'll see. Maybe tonight we'll do 21. We're just going to be like doing one after another, after another, after another, and just see what we can accomplish. All right. (laughs) James Earl Jones. Uh, Someone in chat says James Earl Jones does an audio Bible. Nobody can say no to that. Well, I I, I probably could, but okay. I know know that's probably is, is... not caring about James Earl Jones, is that basically akin to not liking uh, Lord of the Rings? It probably is. I'm guilty of both. I, I was making a joke today because Disney removed Lord of the Rings, I think, from Hulu. And I was like, congratulations to me. Lord of the Rings has been removed from a platform. Now, if we can just get it removed from Earth and burn all of the books, I will be happy. Okay, all right. I know. Now Now everyone's going to be like, did you hear that crazy pastor who doesn't like Lord of the Rings? <gasps> and people are like, oh, no way. That's like, that's blasphemy. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it. I, I, and I don't apologize. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. German. Focus. See people, you're distracting me. Focus, focus, focus. Jeremiah chapter 20. Let's have a little bit of fun. Here we go. <laughs> so, and then so, and so, and Harry Potter. No, well, see, you, the, the, the listeners here just want to distract me and get me in trouble. See, because now you mention Harry Potter. If I say I like it, then I am, uh, then I am evil. Then I am evil. And see, I like Harry Potter. I don't like Lord of the Rings. So th- there you go. So I'm going to be, yeah, so now I'm, I'm condemned to the 18th level of hell. All right. So here we go. Jeremiah chapter 20. Let's get serious. Open your Bibles. Notebooks. Let's do this. Now, friends, we come to the 20th chapter of Jeremiah. And again, this man, may I say, used himself a great deal as an illustration. We know a great deal about this man, and it'd be very difficult 
to understand his prophecies without understanding him and the background of his prophecies. Now we saw God sent him down to the potter's house, and then he was told to take a bottle that the potter had made, and he was to go down to Tophet. That's in the valley of Hinnon. And at that time, it was a place of idolatry. It was a place where there was the worship of Moloch, where their children passed through the fires. And actually, that word tophet, and you've noticed it has occurred several times in the prophecy here. The name actually has to do with drums. And it was the beating of these drums or sort of tom-toms to deaden the cries of the children that were being offered on the offer of Moloch. And it obviously was a geographical location down there. Now, the prophet goes down to Tophet, breaks the bottle, and the message then is that Jeremiah is saying that these people now are going into captivity. Josiah, the great king, the good king, is dead. And there has come to the throne, Jehoahaz, And actually, he's an evil king. He wasn't there long, though. But then Jehoiakim came to the throne. And actually, now we've come down to the last king, that is Zedekiah. He is the worst and also the weakest of all of the kings that ruled in Judah. And it was during his reign that the Babylonian captivity took place. Now, on Sunday, we did go through all of basically after Josiah. Josiah reigned 30 years and sought to lead the people, quote unquote, back to God. It's the last four kings of Judah were all wicked men. And three of them were Josiah's sons. And one was his grandson, Jehoiakim. So we, we went through all of those last four kings. We talked about them and we, we, I think we did a pretty good job on that. I don't think we did a great job. Maybe if I was more, if I would have been better off physically, I, I think, I still think we did a pretty good job looking at those four kings. And we, we covered all of them in our study of Jeremiah chapter 22. But after Josiah, again, he reigned 31 years after Josiah. Then you have these four kings and we looked at each one. We looked at how long they reigned, what happened to them, all of their, all their name. One of them had what, three different names, all the different names that they're known by. We didn't go into great detail about them. We, I think we may have even covered the years in which they reigned. We did a, we did a pretty good job. And then we looked at some important lessons about, um, well, you know, Josiah was a godly king. He didn't turn out godly uh, children, right? We talked about that whole concept. And then we talked about the the rule of, you know, ungodly government and what Christians' responsibilities are under that. So I think think we did some decent things there, but uh, he's mentioning them and he's going through them quickly. I'm assuming he'll, he'll go into more detail as he gets closer to chapter 22. Now we have seen really a transformation take place in the life of Jeremiah. When he gave out the Word of God, he's adamant, he's strong, he's hard-nosed. But personally, he's very weak. He has a very tender heart. And now that his friend Josiah, the good king, is gone, and the historical record in Chronicles tells us Jeremiah wept for him. I think he loved him. 
and he had been his friend. Now these evil kings come to the throne. And up to this point, Jeremiah has been absolutely rejected in a very definite way. He has been given a cold shoulder, and his message has been absolutely ignored. But he has not been persecuted personally. And now we come to actual persecution. And Pasher, the son of Emmer, who, by the way, was associated with Zedekiah, as we'll see in the next chapter. And I'm going to throw this out there. Now we come to actual persecution. Hey, Christians, let me just say this. If you walk into Target and they're selling things that you don't like, they're selling things you don't want to buy, that's not persecution. Hey, if you open up your Netflix account and there's movies you don't like or offended by, that's not persecution. Okay, that's not all right. If someone on TikTok is drinking a brand of beer, right, and you don't like their lifestyle, that's not persecution and nothing is being shoved down your throat. Here's a good idea. Don't go to their TikTok account and you won't see them drinking that can of beer. Right. There's a lot of times Christians scream and yell persecution. And it's like, no, people are just living a life different than yours. That's not persecution. If people disagree with you, that's not persecution. If people mock and condemn Christianity, that's not persecution. You may not like it, but it's not persecution. When they physically attack you, if they destroy your property, if they try to put you in prison, okay, now we can start talking persecution. So many times Christians act like that we're being persecuted and it's a slap in the face to anyone who's actually been martyred, killed for their faith, or actually suffered physical persecution. Come on, let, let's be careful when we use uh, you know, certain words. Let, let's be careful, okay? We may be living in a world that's more hostile to Christianity, may not like it. And sometimes when people are being mean to you, they may not be mean to you because of your faith. They may, may be mean to you because, you know, I don't know, you. they don't like uh, the way you treat them or maybe they don't like your politics. I think sometimes when we, when, when people go against our politics, we act like they're persecuting us for their faith. They may be persecuting you because they don't like your politics. So let, let's, I think sometimes we have to just be careful here. We're going to see actual persecution. Let's just keep that in mind. He is the one now that begins to persecute this man physically. Chapter 20, verse 1, Now Pasha, the son of Emmer the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasha smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. Now, I'd, I would like for you to notice where persecution began. It began in organized religion. The Word of God today is being hurt and hindered more by the organizational church, the liberal church that has rejected the Word of God. And they boast today of their brotherhood. They're always wanting to get together with some very shady characters, and yet they boast of their brotherhood and love for everyone, and they're broad-minded. 
But I found out as a fundamentalist that they don't accept me, and they exhibit very little love for me. May I say to you that their broad-mindedness is not real, and their great concern just doesn't happen to be real. I happen to have been associated with an organization for a long time, and I know what I'm talking about here, my friend. And that's where persecution and the hindrance of the gospel today comes. Do you know who really wants to get this program and other programs off the air? Organized religion today. Oh, this is such an important point. Such an important point. Many times, we're persecu- we always think of persecution coming from the world, coming from liberals or those who are woke or Democrats or atheists or agnostics or Satanists or the LGBTQ community. Persecution typically arises from within Christianity, within religion. It's where Christians are attacking Christians. It's where, it's where it, it becomes a religious war. It's typically where things happen. We, we often forget that. If, if you think about, if I think about my own and my own Christian life, the, 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 the most cruel attacks, the most, the, the most violent threats being literally kicked off Christian radio. All of that hap- all all of that has always been directed at me by people who pers- who profess Christianity. I have never felt really any issues with those in the lost world. It's always within the church. It's always within Christianity. I I, I think that's what people tend to forget. It's the church that will ultimately persecute the church. It's Christians that will persecute Christians. It's Christians that will drive them out. So many times when people talk about, oh, we need to obey God rather than man. And there's a time that we stand up and there's a time we fight back. And I talked about this on Sunday. Everyone will quote Acts chapter five, verse 29. Everyone will quote Acts chapter five, verse 29, where we read, then Peter said, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Everyone will quote that as directed towards the government. But is that directed towards the government? Who was persecuting them? Who was, look, go back to uh, Acts 5.17. You should read probably a good portion of this entire chapter. You really should, because this is ripped out of context so much by Christians. Christians constantly rip this verse out of context. Everyone quotes that as, hey, when the government tells you to wear a mask, I'm going to obey God rather than man. If the, if the government says we're in the middle of a pandemic, we made a need to do these COVID restrictions. I'm going to obey God rather than man. And we, we, we apply this to re- referring to the government. But go back to Acts 5.17. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. It was the high priests. It was the Sadducees. It was the religious leaders who then tells them they cannot preach in the name of Jesus. Persecution begins by religious leaders. It begins sometimes within the church where the church attacks part of the church and drives that part of the church out or won't accept them. And then they become, they have to go start another denomination or another church. It's the church fighting the church. 
We never talk about, we always think about persecution coming from without. What about the persecution that comes from within? When they're like, this tries to silence this group and this group tries to, and boom, that. And Acts 5, everyone quotes that is about the government. No, Jeremiah is being persecuted by whom? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1. Now, Pasher, the son of Emor, the priest of Emor, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord. This is the religious leaders. Jeremiah is being silenced and being persecuted by the religious leaders. Who was trying to silence whom? Just look at the Reformation. The church fighting the church. Christians fighting professing Christians. You say, well, some weren't really Christian. I understand that, but it's still within those professing faith in Christ. Those who say they believe in Christ. Those who may say they believe in the Apostles' Creed. Fighting, attacking, silencing, in many cases, literally killing and persecuting one another. That, I, I mean, you may want to really, really think that through, think that through, think that through. Next time someone quotes Acts 5.29, when they want to yell at the government, go, I think that they were standing up not against civil authority. They were standing up against religious authority. Something to consider. I don't know of a liquor industry that's trying to get us off. I don't know of any political group that's trying to get us off the air. But I do happen to know about a religious group. And so persecution of the Word of God began in organized religion here. And that is so true. A lot of times the ministries that get attacked and try to get pulled off Christian radio is because other Christians are trying to get that one, that preacher pulled off Christian radio. Rarely is it some, some non-religious, most of, most of the people who are not Christians, they don't really care what we're doing. They don't really care what we're talking about. They could care less most of the time until we come after them and try to silence them. Then they'll, then they'll try to fight back. Most of the time, they don't care what we have to say. You, we can preach what we want. Most of the time, they don't care. I'm not saying that that's always the case. But even J. Vernon McGee, like it wasn't the liquor industry coming after him. It wasn't the porn industry coming after him. It was other religious groups who wanted him pulled from the airwaves. <laughs> who kicked me off Christian radio? It wasn't uh, re- uh, non-religious groups. I was kicked off Christian radio by the Christian radio station because they didn't like what I preached, even though I did not violate one rule that they gave me. Nobody wants to talk about that. And this man now is physically being persecuted. And I read on here. It came to pass on the morrow that Pasha brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasha, but Magor Mesabib. And that's quite a name, by the way. But it means terror on every side. It meant terror for Pasher, meant terror for everyone connected with him. Verse 4, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I'll make thee a terror to thyself, to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and thine eyes shall behold it. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive into Babylon, and shall slay them with the sword. This 
is now the prophecy that this man Jeremiah will emphasize again and again, and that is that the southern kingdom is now going into captivity. Nothing can stop that. Even if Moses was there, our Samuel was there, God says it wouldn't help. Not now. They've gone too far. And this king that's on the throne, those that had been ahead of him, revealed it, by the way. Now, we'd want to drop down here. I'm going to have to hit high points from here on in Jeremiah. Verse 9, and probably I should give a little background of this. Jeremiah has been ignored, and he's been rejected. But up to this point, he hadn't been persecuted physically. And now he is. And because of all of this, and after all, the message is breaking his own heart. He decides that he's going to turn in his resignation. Now, it's funny because uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, it's almost like he looked over at the clock like, okay, I got to start skipping verses and I have to only do high highlights from this point on through the book of Jeremiah. He all of a sudden he realizes, oh man, I got, I got to go. <laughs> We're never going to finish this. So I, it's just funny because I can relate. But I just want to go, go to something. Okay, so he's, Jeremiah is being persecuted. Jeremiah, I, I, I don't want you to ever forget this. The book of Jeremiah may be a message of judgment upon Judah, upon God's people, but it's a message delivered by a real human being who's not afraid to express emotions and doubts and confusion and questions and struggle with God's message. The one delivering the message wasn't afraid to struggle with the very message he was delivering. The one speaking of God's actions wasn't afraid to question and struggle with the actions that he was preaching. So many times it's, it, it, we're almost, and, and this, I reject this outright. I reject this outright. But you're almost taught that when you stand behind the pulpit, you're not to, in fact, I, I gave you, in fact, I did a podcast episode where I can't remember which Christian ministry gave these things that seven things pastors are to never do behind the pulpit. Never do. And you never question and you never express doubt and you never share too much about the sins you're struggling with because people will lose, you know, they won't see you as the authority and all the different. And, and I reject it outright because Jeremiah clearly reveals his own struggles, his own doubts and his own frustrations. I like to tell the people, look, I'm preaching it. I believe it's the inerrant, inspired word of God. I believe it's true. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And at times I'm absolutely bothered, appalled, and and shocked by the message that I, I read. Sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes I'm like, God, if you're all powerful, if you're the one doing this, could you fix the situation? Could you, could you, why? In fact, I, I tell you all the time, as soon as I read Genesis 1-1, I usually start screaming going, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to read through the Bible again this year. And I start off in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I start screaming, why? Stop it. Don't do it. Just end the story before you even say anything else. You may have wanted to create it, but change your mind. Okay, well, you can't change your mind. Don't ever, don't ever let it enter into your mind in the first place because you're going to create a world and there's going to be nothing but death and destruction 
and pain and suffering and murder and rape and kidnapping and children being molested. There's going to be sin. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be broken relationships. There's going to be pain. Oh, and a good portion of your creation, they're going to die and you're going to have to have them punish, be punished for eternity. Now, I don't understand that. And it's okay to say that. Because anyone else who reads the Bible should come that. And so this is what I love. Jeremiah, in one minute, he'll, he'll preach the word. He will not back down. He will suffer. But at the same time, he will say things like this. All right. Uh, Jeremiah uh, 20 verse uh, 7. Oh Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. He, he opens up and he's like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't get it. Jeremiah 20, verse 8, for since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. He comes to the point like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. He feels like God has tricked him. God has deceived him. Why would God tell you to go preach and no one's ever going to believe? You're not going to have any converts. No one's going to believe you and they're going to reject you and they're going to hate you and they're going to persecute you. God, grant them repentance. At least one of them, two of them, three of them, 15 of them. Could I even have a small congregation? I love the realness of it. And it's okay, whether in the pulpit or in the pew, for us to go, I don't get this. I don't understand. This bothers me. It's perfectly okay. Because if you read the Bible and you read it and you're even remotely honest with what it says, if you're not bothered, if you're not disturbed, if you're not confused, if you're not perplexed, and sometimes if you're not actually horrified, then either one, you're not actually reading what's there or you're just straight up lying to yourself. Or you're so insensitive to the to to the things you're reading that you 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 may you, your heart may be you know a block of ice or or stone I don't know what it is you, you may need to ask God to give you an actual heart that beats and pumps human blood because anyone with emotion would be like I don't understand what I'm reading and your heart can't help but go out to this man. He's not indifferent to what is happening. He feels this a great deal, and it's sapping his strength. And I think he's frankly on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Now, notice what he says. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay." Now, what he says is simply this. He says, the message is breaking my heart, and all that it's earned for me is the persecution of the religious rulers and the rejection by the people, and therefore I'm resigning. But he says, when I attempted to resign, the Word of God was in his bones like a fire. And he said, I had to speak out. I couldn't forbear. And... That, my friend, is another one of the marks and should be the mark of a man that's giving out the Word of God today. 
How do you really feel about it? Is this a job that you have, or is this something really your heart's in it? You want to give out the Word of God. And I do think it's interesting that even Dr. J. Vernon McGee felt that Jeremiah was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And I think you need to feel that. I think sometimes living the Christian life and being, being remotely honest, I think, I think the normal Christian life is you live on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I really do. Because you're reading about these truths and these ideas that are so beyond our ability to comprehend. And sometimes how it all plays out leaves you like you feeling like you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I know we paint it as no, when you become, when you get, when, when you believe in Jesus, it's all butterflies and birds and sunny skies and okay, okay, maybe a rainbow, even though there's not any storms because, but you get a rainbow because, you know, it's, it looks nice. Maybe, maybe a bucket full of Skittles at the end of it, whatever the case may be, it's all beautiful, wonderful, perfect, and everything is great. But the reality is you see a horrible world, pain, suffering, and death, and yet you believe in an all-powerful God who knows everything from the beginning and the end, who can intervene at any time, and it is perplexing and confusing, and at times hard to comprehend. And if you don't believe me, just turn off this podcast, go find a children's hospital and go visit it and find out the children who are to have terminal diseases and are literally spent the most of their entire childhood in a hospital with surgeries and medical procedures who suffer and slowly will die, never get a first date, never get a first kiss, never experience half the things that other people get to experience. And their entire life from birth to then is suffering and medical experimentation as they slowly die. And then tell me if that all makes perfect sense with your idea that God, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son and God is all powerful and he knows the beginning from the end and he can do all things. If that doesn't at times leave you on the verge of a nervous breakdown, you're not being honest with something. You're not either being honest with the suffering around you and you're hiding from it, or you're not being honest with, with the confusion that reading some things in the Bible it, it makes no sense. God, if you're in charge and if you called this people, then then grant them repentance so that they will repent so that they, they won't suffer. They won't be killed. They won't go into captivity. You love the word of God and you feel pretty bad if you didn't have the privilege of giving it out. And until you feel like that, I'm not sure that you ought to be uh, attempting to give out the Word of God. It ought to mean something to you. Now, you can see the conflict that's going on in the heart of this man. Now, he indulges in something that was apparently an Old Testament custom, or it became an Old Testament habit on the part of some of God's men here. Do you notice what he attempts to do? Well, he does something that... Okay, I don't know what this Old Testament custom he's getting ready to mention. Someone in chat just said, uh, a side note, pasture means freedom before his name changed to terror on every side. And uh, McGee just talked about terror on every side. He didn't talk that it meant freedom. He went from freedom to terror on every side. And uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. And uh, again, another powerful symbol of what's coming upon them. What's coming upon them. But again, if you would have asked them, they would have thought that they were on the side of God. Their priest would have said that they're on the side of God. They would have said that they are right and that Jeremiah was wrong. Jeremiah was the false prophet and they, they had the truth on their side, which raises, again, all kinds of questions about 
you know, so many issues. But yeah, thank you so much for pointing that out. That's really good. All right, let's continue. Jonah did and something that Job did and something that Elijah did. It's singing an old song that won't do you a bit of good. It's the blues. It's known as the religious blues. Why was I born? <laughs> and there are a lot of folk that will sing that song. Listen to him, verse 14. Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. Oh, boy, does he hate himself. Now, I'm going to disagree with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He says it doesn't do you any good. I disagree. I disagree strongly. What doesn't do you any good is pretending. What doesn't do you any good is say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm just supposed to say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm blessed. I'm better than I deserve. You know, God is wonderful. God is good. And God is good all the time. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That you're just supposed to put on a smile and say everything is wonderful. No, sometimes it does you a lot of good to say, I wish I was never born. I wish I was dead. I don't understand life. I don't understand what I'm experiencing. It's okay to get that out. It's called a lament. A lament is a spiritual cry of pain and agony. And it is right and it is spiritual and it is godly. And I believe it's psychologically healthy to get it out, to say it, to confess it, to say it to God. God can handle it. He is the creator of everything. He is all powerful and all knowing. He already knows what you feel. Don't dress it up in religious. Oh Lord, I'm, I'm having a difficult time. Lord, I hate my life. I don't understand. What are you doing? It's okay to scream out in pain and bitterness and agony. It's okay. It's far better than the religious trash that you're told to, to just put forth some religious Christianese and dress it all up and make it all seem nice and pretty. No, you can be honest with you, with yourself. I think that's the first step to moving forward. He cries out, Cursed be the man who brought, who brought tidings to my father, seeing a man child is born unto thee, making him very glad. Verse 14, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. He doesn't know why he was even born. He is, he is suffering. He is discouraged. He is depressed. He is maybe a little bitter. And you know what? He doesn't pretend. He says, you know what a pastor should be able to do? A pastor should be able to stand behind the pulpit and say, I wish I was never born and I don't understand and be able to express the same pain and agony. But you're told not to do that. You're told not to do that. That's why you have pastors com committing suicide at times. Because they've got to act like everything's good. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Because we sell Christianity that as Christians, we never get discouraged and we never get depressed and we're never bitter and we never hate ourselves and we never hate our lives. Who told you that lie? Great men of God in the Bible wished that they were never born and wished they were dead. And guess what? They didn't hide it. They expressed it. And God thought it was so important that he made sure by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that it was recorded and put in the Bible. 
And I don't think it's there to tell us not to do that. I think it's there to show us it's perfectly okay to do it. And he wished he hadn't been born. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A man-child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And then, verse 18, Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my day should be consumed with shame. And it's the old story. Why was I born? Elijah crawled up under juniper tree, said, Let me die. <laughs> and we find that Job wanted to die. Curse the day he was born. And old Jonah, he got pretty downhearted, too, about everything. And he also wanted to die. Well, to wish that you'd not been born, that's about as foolish as anything you can wish, friends, because you Oh, I don't like that. It may be foolish in the sense they can't change anything, but it's not foolish to express it. It may be foolish in the fact that it's not going to change anything, but you're not expressing it to change it. You're not expressing it to make it better. You're expressing it because it's what you feel and it's inside of you and it's got to be out. And guess who you can express it to? To God. All right, let's continue. You're already born and there's nothing you can do about that. And then you can sing the blues that you want to die. And you never die by wishing it. Nobody's never died by that method. He's way down, is he not? This is Jeremiah. You feel like putting your arm around him now, don't you? And patting him on the back and encouraging him. But I tell you, this man wants to give out the Word of God. Now in chapter 21. All right, we'll stop right there. I wanted to get through 21, but it's better to leave it right here. So we're going to stop at, I think it's what, 57 here. If I can read my own writing, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm writing here. Okay. We will, we will come back and we will finish this. Uh, not, not right, not at this very moment, but we will soon. We will come back and we will try to finish this. We'll, maybe I'll get one more done. Maybe we'll try to do one between maybe say six and seven. Maybe we'll try to get one done between six and seven. And then maybe around 9 p.m. we'll try to do another. And then over the next couple of days, we're just going to be doing, it's going to be Jeremiah, 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 and then how this impacts what I do at church. Sometimes it may be repetition, maybe some of, I don't know. You're just going to have to wait and see how it's all going to play out. But I hope you're ready for a massive focus on Jeremiah between now and the end of August. It's going to be Jeremiah, Jeremiah, anywhere I can put that emphasis. I know we're working on sanctification and we did a little work on that today. We didn't do far. We didn't do much. I know we, we, uh, we, we did that, but we, we will, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to continue. And we, we got a lot of other things we're going to, I'm going to try to figure out what we're going to be doing coming up. We're going to, we're going to try to begin a series on dispensationalism. We're going to, I want to do, uh, I want to start a series on basic theology using Charles C. Ryrie's uh, systematic theology book. I got it right here. Um, I got the two, I got the new study guides for the fall. I got the study guides for the fall. Where are they? Let's see. Do I have them close by? Uh, Hang on. I'm going to, I got to, I got to leave my chair. 
They're right here. They look awesome. I got them in the mail today. All right. Uh, the one for Explore the Bible Personal Study Guide Fall 2023. It is the Gospel of Mark in what? How many sessions? 13 sessions. So maybe we can do some uh, individual sessions in the Gospel of Mark. That could be fun. So we have that. We also have right here the uh, Bible Studies for Life Personal Study Guide Adults uh, Fall 2023. And it looks like for this coming uh, study, there's three studies. Staying true and a world far from God, confident in the face of hard questions, and God deserves our thanks. It looks like, if I could, if I'm wrong here, let me look here. I believe um, Daniel. The first one is all the book of Daniel. Uh, it, it jumps. It jumps. No, it, it goes in some kind of order. Um, so, yeah, we got Daniel in the first part. I don't know what the second part is, but we got we got a bunch. We got two study guides to use, okay? And uh, we we have a lot to do. We have a lot to do, and we will we will make use of it. But all I can promise you now is, from now to the end of August, anytime you hear, see a notification, there's a high probability we're going to be talking about the Book of Jeremiah. We are. I am going to. I am going to do everything in my power to get us to a very important end. But what I want to take away from today's review of Jeremiah chapter 20, I want you to just see the reality and the pain expressed by Jeremiah. That's probably the main, the main lesson I want, I want you to take from that. Um, but because I think it's very important. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm getting messages and I think I'm hearing uh, some massive thunder in the background too. So who knows what's getting ready to happen here in West Texas. So, but yeah, we will do. So maybe, so I, I'm going to try to be back at maybe around 6 p.m. and then we'll do chapter 21 and then maybe 9 p.m. we'll do chapter 22. Then tomorrow we'll try to do 23, 24, 25. Okay, maybe. And then I don't know what we'll do at, at church Wednesday night. Maybe we'll work on Jeremiah 23. In fact, if I have, if I have here, let me look. Let me look. The Jeremiah study guide that we have not really followed. If we look at it, this is the way they break down the rest of the, uh, the book. They cover uh, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 29, 31, 35, 36, 42, 50. Um, and that, that's what they cover. So we may just try to use the, the study guide at church and focus on the sections that they give us and then we'll fill in the gaps here. Um, who knows? We're gonna be, but it's just going to be Jeremiah. So if there's something you need covered in the book of Jeremiah, well, first of all, if you now want to go back to the chapters before 20, I, you, you kind of waited too long. I'm more than willing to go back and do that for you. But anything from 20 to the end of the book, this is your time to go, please cover this. This is the time to ask those questions and any other questions you have about the book of Jeremiah. The time to ask them is now because we are going, I don't want to say in a full-blown sprint, but wait a minute, we are, we're going to put in some work. We're going to put in some time and I'm going to see how much we can talk about Jeremiah between now and the end of this month. It's hard to believe it's September. And guess what September means? Now, you don't know what September means? It's the West Texas Fair and Rodeo here in Abilene, Texas. 
Come on, that's a big thing. The West Texas Fair and Rodeo right here in Abilene, Texas. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. My daughter's bringing someone from Boston so they can experience the West Texas Fair and Rodeo, right? I mean, you, you, you're not excited about that? N- nothing? Nothing? Yeah, you don't seem... You don't, it's the West Texas Fair and Rodeo. It's, it's, it, it happens every September. You're, okay, I don't, yeah, you, no, nobody cares. But what does that demonstrate? Demonstrates how we started this entire discussion. Life is always filled with a million things to do and a million distractions. In the middle of all of those distractions, not only we try to, try to live out our lives, right, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed it. I, I think I, I think I detect sarcasm. I think I'm detecting sarcasm there because you should be like, oh, how did I not know that? Everyone knows about the West Texas Fair and Rodeo, but okay, well, all right, I, 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 I digress. But the point is, it doesn't matter if it's August, doesn't matter if it's September, doesn't matter if it's October, doesn't matter if it's November, doesn't matter if it's December, doesn't matter if it's January, February, March, May, April, June, July, it doesn't matter when. There's always a million things going on around us, things going on in our lives, and it always does one thing, tries to pull our attention away from God's word. So we have to constantly struggle to try to find a way to get God's word, not only in our life, but to get that word so in our lives that it has an impact on our lives. Because just hearing it and studying it, but it not doing anything in us, through us, for us, That's that's a bad and detrimental thing. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back probably around 6 p.m. Jeremiah chapter 21. Then maybe around 9 o'clock tonight, Jeremiah chapter 22. I look forward to doing what we can to study this and get as far as we can. And uh, hopefully we can all benefit greatly from it. All right. Thanks for listening. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great evening. We'll be back in a couple of hours. God bless.